All right, thank you for that special. Church family, I'm excited about the uh, new church plant. And again, a lot of decisions and things that our church got to make in days ahead concerning that. And so again, I hope that you'll keep that in prayer as far as the place, time to start, and of course, uh, who the Lord have to take that particular church. But again, uh, some, I, I'm excited about it. I hope that you are too. Numbers chapter 11 tonight, let's look at just a few verses together. I'm going to start with the one, and so we'll pray. But Numbers chapter 11, verse number four, Moses is speaking, and he says this. He says, I'm not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. Numbers chapter 11, verse 14. I, it's amazing how this morning's message and this, they kind of dovetail. And, you know, when the Lord puts these kind of messages in a row, it just makes you wonder what's going to happen next. And so I hope that you'll take these things to heart tonight. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Father, thank you again for letting us be in church. Again, would you please give us the filling of the Spirit. May you again help all of us tonight, Lord, to hear from you. And again, whether it's that still small voice or, Father, whether you make a lot of noise in our mind and heart, Father, may we not miss what you have for us as a people. Lord, thank you for this church. And, Lord, what you've done already, help us again to do uh, your will and do more as you'd see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Numbers, uh, obviously, the children of Israel came out of Egypt in the book of Exodus, and of course you get Leviticus, the Levitical law, and then you get to the book of Numbers, some stories come about, and of course they get to the edge of the uh, promised land, they send the 12 spies and they don't go in. But Moses, before they get to the promised land, this chapter 11 and 12 kind of go hand in hand, and we'll have a Sunday school lesson actually coming up on both those two chapters. But I want to deal with just this one thought this uh, evening, and that's what Moses was saying when he said, hey, listen, I'm not able to do this. And, you know, sometimes that happens in our own life. And, and Moses, it really started with him. God called Moses at the burning bush and says, I want you to go uh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And the very first thing he says, he says, uh, they're not going to believe me. I can't speak very well. Who are you going to send with me? I mean, really, almost Moses' personality was one of, I just don't think I can do this, what you're calling me to do. Uh, maybe tonight the Lord wants you to do something in particular. Maybe it's something in full-time Christian service. Maybe it's just a matter of witnessing to your neighbor. But I'm just trying to tell you that we are not able without God. But Moses had God, and he was able, but he got to this place where he didn't think, think he could. In fact, it's interesting when you look at Moses' father-in-law, again, book of Exodus, chapter 18, his father-in-law saw him judging all the people, and his father-in-law said, you're not able to do this. You're going to wear away, and you're going to wear the people away. Now, God's permissive will is he allowed Moses to have these, in this passage here too, 70 men to help him. But that wasn't God's perfect will. And I believe that because Moses had what he needed to do the job God called him to do. By the way, you have what you need if God called you to do a job. If God gave you those children, then God gave you the ability to raise those children. All right? Not the government. All right? God gave you the ability to raise those children. And if you're teaching a Sunday school class, then God's going to give you the ability to teach that Sunday school class. God gives us what we need. Sometimes we become fearful because of what people think and say. But I want to tell you, we just need to trust the Lord. Now, tonight, I want to just point out something, and I'm going to teach for just a few moments tonight out of this passage. But Numbers chapter 11, let me just read a couple of verses with you. Let's just, a few verses. Look at verse number four. Numbers chapter 11, verse four. Let's get this context of the story. Here it says, In the mixed multitude that was among them, among the children of Israel, fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did in Egypt freely, which we did eat in Egypt freely. Isn't that crazy that they would say in Egypt it was free? Nothing was free in Egypt. All right? And by the way, when you got saved, the world had nothing to offer you then, and it still has nothing to offer you now. And so this, this picture of false expectation of what was going to take place or what should have taken place. 
I want you to jump down now, and again, they, they, they begin complaining about several things. Verse number six, but now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. When you get down to verse number 10, it says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Now, I want you to notice Moses', Moses prayer. In church family, I will be short tonight because of the Lord's Supper. I hope that you really concentrate this, this evening. But in verse number 11 down to verse number 15, Moses prays this prayer to God. And in, in, in this prayer alone, he, there are 16 pronouns of my, I, me, Moses' prayer was not about the glory of God. And by the way, Moses was a man of God. Moses was a great man of God. But Moses got to a place of despair. And if we want to use the word discouraged in his life, and you notice that in his prayer. And then he finally, at the end of his prayer, says, I'm not able to do this. Look what he says now. Look, look at the prayer with me in verse number 10. I'm sorry, verse number 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, and here's his prayer, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth a sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me saying, give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, Kill me, I pray thee out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. Now, tonight's thought really is simply this. Moses said, I am not able, and he was more than able to do what God had called him to do. Listen, if you're a husband tonight, and you have a family, and sometimes the pressure of taking care of that family is there, I'm just telling you by the authority of the word of God, you're able. If you're teaching a Sunday school class, you're able. If you're running a bus route, you're able. Whatever God has given you to do, it's not a matter that you can't. It's a matter that you're trying to do it in your power instead of doing God's power. Now, I want you to notice what's said next, and then we'll, I'm going to just give you three thoughts tonight. Here's what it says. I want you to look at verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, when thou, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with me. Now, verse 17, don't miss. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee that thou bear it not thyself alone. Now I want you to notice it says it again or something similar to that. Look, look a little farther down there. I think it's verse number 24. Verse 24, it actually takes place. And Moses went out, verse 24, and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. Verse 25. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him, and here he says it again, and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Now, I think you can see tonight that it was not that Moses did not have the capability of leading the children of Israel like he was, because God says he took of the spirit that was upon Moses and divided it to these 70 men. In other words, all the power that was necessary was there, and God put it in one man to take care of the job that God had given him, and he got to a place in his life that he got discouraged and said, I can't do this. I am not able to do what I am doing. Now, church, I want you to think there's three things here, I think, that caused Moses to get to a place that he said, I'm not able to do it. And I think it's the same three reasons that sometimes Christians give up. And sometimes Christians say to themselves, I'm not capable, I'm not able, I don't have the talent or the money or whatever the excuse is. 
But when God calls, he qualifies. When God tells us to do something, he provides for us to do that. I believe with all my heart the Lord wants us to start. And again, it was a process for me. And again, I, again, trying to make sure that I walk you through the process so that we can come into this thing united. But I believe with all my heart the Lord wants a church started in Topeka. I do not know who's going to actually pastor that church. All I know is the next step. Now, I know I've got things out of order compared to those who are church planners. But the next step for us is to find out what church building the Lord wants us to plant as far as the where in Topeka, Kansas. And then after that, uh, it's a matter of getting the thing purchased. After that, it's a matter of going in there remodeling it, make sure it's ready for a church. After that, it's a matter of having Bible studies where we can get people in Topeka to come to that church building to have Bible study. After that, it's going to be a matter of that some families of this particular church are going to be, go, be members. It might be people from Topeka. It might be people from here. All right. If you don't like me, you might want to go there. All right. But we're going to have a couple families that will probably go and they'll be the pioneers of that particular church. I would like to ask you, and I've been putting, telling you now, that I'd like to have a sign-up list that once a month or once every couple months, you would be willing to go sit in that church service because it would be nice to have four or five, six families that are in that service every week so that when a visitor comes, they're not just looking at them and the preacher, all right? So I know it's a process. I've, I don't have a book on this. I just feel like the Lord is going to continue to take us. And church family, I, and my, and the, I, I just... I, I'm careful saying it. I don't think this is the only one. I know the Lord let us start in Great Bend, but I believe this is going to be a process for our church. And God's going to grow our church from this. And I'm not talking necessarily numerically. He's going to grow us spiritually from it. And so again, this again, uh, this church to be, I'm excited about. But I'm just trying to tell you that if God wants our church to do that, he will provide for it. He will provide for it financially. He will provide for it physically. He will provide for it as far as the pastor. He will provide for it as far as the people. God, if God wants us to do that, he'll provide for it. And, and Moses here is a prime example of a person that he was under the pressure of what was going on. And he said to himself, he said to God, God, I'm not able to do it. Now, quickly, let me just point, you, point out three things that caused him to say that tonight. And I hope that it'll be a help to us to remind us that we don't have to do, let these things uh, cause us to, not, to doubt God, not trust God. First thing is in verse number 14, look what it says. I'm sorry, verse number 10, excuse me. Verse number 10, chapter 11. It says, then Moses heard, what did he hear? He heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. In, verse, in, in his prayer to God, he, he's talking about how, hey, listen, you've given me these, these people to take care of. Now, church, I'm the, I think the very first thing that caused uh, Moses to get to a place where he says, I'm not able, was pressure from people, was pressure from people. Listen, we have those same kinds of pressure. We, we get to a place that, uh, where people will say things to us or, or, or they'll sometimes even be critical of us. In fact, in this particular passage, they were complaining and Moses is listening to these complaints and it was a bother to him. We have to remember that we're not serving people, we're serving God. Remember what he said in Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. We are not, we're not doing what we're doing as Christians because we won't get a pat on the back from somebody or so that we can get the approval or applause of man. We're doing what we're doing because this is what God wants us to do. You, you know, some of you are, are first generation Christian and you're trying to raise your family for God. And there is pressure from your family, don't spank your children. There's pressure from your family, you don't have very much money, don't give your tithes and offerings. There's pressure from your family, hey listen, you don't have to change that much because you know, that's almost cultish. Listen, you have to serve God not based upon what people think, but what God thinks in your life. 
you know, as your pastor, I'm not going to uh, put my nose in your business unless the Lord really does something. I'm not going to come to you and say, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. I'm going to preach the word of God. You've got a Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. You've got a book in your hand that tells you how you're supposed to live the Christian life. But you also have to understand that sometimes we allow what people say to us to put pressure on us. And by the way, there's good peer pressure and there's bad peer pressure. You know, good peer pressure, when someone comes up to you and says, hey, you want to go out soul winning with me this week? That's good, good peer pressure, all right? I know it's a little uncomfortable when somebody says, hey, listen, would you come out Saturday and go door knocking? But you know what? That's not bad for you. That's good for you, all right? Bad peer pressure is when they're asking you to go somewhere a Christian ought not to go. Okay, so when it comes to this thing in the Christian life, can I tell you, you sometimes feel like that you're not capable of doing what God wants you to do because of pressure. And sometimes it's family pressure. Sometimes it might be a friend, friend pressure, but that's the same thing that happened to Moses is Moses got under pressure of people because they were weeping and complaining, hey, we don't have what we want or we don't have what we, they thought they needed. And Moses has 600,000 Jews plus women and children. He was pressured by people. And we've got to make sure that we don't allow that pressure to happen. I'm thankful for the Heritage Baptist Church and God's been very gracious. We don't, I don't have that pressure. Church, I want to tell you something. In the, in the early days, I, there were people in the church that they didn't like me, all right? Now, if you don't like me, I don't know it. We're going to keep it that way, okay? But I mean, I've had people in the auditorium shake their head no at me while I'm preaching. I have people put their hands over their ears. I've had people that will, every service, they found a different door to go out, so they didn't have to shake my hand. I mean, I've had all kinds of things happen, all right? And I'm very thankful that we have a congregation that uh, you give the pastor liberty to preach, Hey, I would, be, I would be crazy to think that you believe everything that I believe. All right? And church, you don't have to believe what I believe. We have, we're all supposed to believe what the book says, right? Okay. But I'm very thankful that I don't have to check with each person, is this okay to preach? Okay? The Bible is what we preach. We preach the word of God. And the, the fellowship gives leadership the ability to lead. Same thing happens in a home. Wife, when you submit to your husband, you give your husband the ability to lead that house because you're fellowship and you allow him to lead. Pressure of people can cause us to get to a place where we say, I'm not able. And you are able. Because just like Moses had all the spirit he needed to lead the children of Israel, you have everything you need to lead and do what God wants you to do. Quickly, the next thing, not only did we see because of pressure from people, but verse 14, it says this. In verse 14, it says, I am not able to bear all this people. What's the next word? Alone, because it is too heavy. God responds to uh, Moses' statement, and it's interesting that he uses that same word, alone. Verse 17, and I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself. What's the word? Alone. You know why I think he got to a place where he said, I'm, I'm not able? Because he thought he was by himself. He thought he was alone. You know, there's strength in numbers. By the way, when it comes to lost people, there's strength in numbers. When it comes to backslidden Christians, there's strength in numbers. Where, where do you get that from? Korah and his company. Korah didn't come up against Moses by himself. Korah came up against Moses with a company. Do you understand that there's strength in numbers? Remember what he said in the book of Ecclesiastes? He said that uh, there's a reward when there's two and that a threefold cord is not easily broken. There's strength in numbers. Hey, listen. All of us, a good name is rather be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. We like it when people are on our side. We like it that when we can come into this thing as a team, when we come, in, come into things together. You like it in your home when your wife's backing you. You like it in your home when the children are getting along. There's something about a group effort that is a good thing. Moses thought he was alone. There has been, and probably even tonight, there's people that come to the church service and sometimes you come to the service and you feel like you're alone. 
you feel like you're alone possibly because you are physically alone. Sometimes you feel like alone because you didn't come maybe without a spouse or anything like that, but you feel like you're alone because you and your spouse are not on the same page. Hey, can I tell you tonight, you're never alone. He told us in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then the very next verse, that's 13.5, but Hebrews 13.6 says, the Lord's your helper. And you know, Moses got to a place where he thought everybody was against him and he thought he was by himself. He thought he was alone. And that can be very discouraging when you think you're alone. I know God makes us all differently, but to be honest with you, um, when I get uh, to the place where I'm, uh, I hate to use the word discouraged, I don't get discouraged very often. And if I do get discouraged, I don't know if I would call it that, but I don't want to be around people. I want to be alone. I don't want to look at anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be around anybody. You know, all of us go, time, go through times like that where we just think it's just, you think it's just you. It's never just you. It's never just you because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. So if you're saved, you can't be alone. The Holy Spirit's with you all the time. And the eyes of the Lord are in every place. So again, what causes us to think, I can't do this. I'm not able. Is because Moses got that feeling of being alone when he wasn't alone. So show me, Daniel must have felt alone when he was in the lion's den, but Daniel wasn't alone because the angel of God was there to shut the lion's mouth. When you go through the scripture, Joseph must have thought he was alone when he was a slave, and, a slave under, under Potiphar, but he wasn't alone. The Bible says that God was with him. Jeremiah thought he was alone. Paul, at times, I'm sure, thought he was alone. John the Baptist sends two of his disciples to Jesus and said, are you really the one? After he'd already baptized Jesus, he knew he was the one. He must have felt alone. There's going to be times in your life that you're going to feel alone and you're going to say, I'm not able. I'm not able to live this Christian life. I'm not able to have my devotions. I'm not able to get a hold of God. I'm just telling you that sometimes that's because of pressure from people, but then sometimes it's just simply you're lonely. You feel like you're alone. One more thing I find it's interesting about Moses. Look at verse number 15 with me. In, in his prayer, in the last part of Moses' prayer to God, he said in verse 15, and if thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee out of, thy, out, of the, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, now look at this last phrase, and let me not see my wretchedness. Let me not see my wretchedness. Church family, Moses, of course he was a man of God. Moses recognized his own, if I can say his own sin. That word wretchedness means bad or evil. Can, can I tell you what causes a person to say I'm not able? Sometimes it's sin in your own life. Isn't it interesting that when, in the, when you think about the, the Jabez prayer, the last part of the Jabez prayer, first he says, bless me indeed, enlarge my coast that thine hand might be with me. And the last part, that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not, what? Grieve me. You know, sometimes the reason you don't think you can do it is because you're not right with God. By the way, Moses wasn't right with God. Even though he was God's man, he was complaining he was listening to people. He, he acknowledges that and says, hey, listen, why don't you just kill me so that I don't have to see my own sinfulness, my own wretchedness, my own wickedness in my life. Now, listen to me, church family. <clears throat> the only one that wants you dead is the devil. If you're saved, he can't take your soul to hell. All he can do is take your influence away. So when you get to a place in your life, I don't want to live, I want to die, those are demon thoughts. He's the only one that wants you dead. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a rolling lion, seeking whom he what? He wants you dead. 
He doesn't want you to tell one person about the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to give one dollar to Faith Promise Missions. He does not want you to do anything that would be Christian. He'd just rather have you gone because he can't take you to hell. Moses, the guy who led the children of Israel out of Egypt said, kill me. You know why he had thoughts like that? Because he got to a place in his life he thought, I'm not able. And you know why he thought he wasn't able? Because he had pressure from people. That's why he thought that. Because there was sin in his life. He said, man, there's this wretchedness that's inside of me. And because he felt it was only him. Now, truthfully, church family, we're not able. Because the only reason that you can lead a home or a Sunday school class or run a bus route is for one reason. I can do all things through which strengtheneth me. You're not able. I'm not able. And you know, I think part of the time that we get ourselves into trouble of this that, and we get so discouraged is because we think it is us. It's not us. It's God. Luke one thirty seven says, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The impossible things happen because there's a God in heaven that uses people. That's all it is. It's a matter of using people. I don't know if it's the church plant in Topeka, and that could be completely different than what the Lord's doing in our lives right now. But I want to tell you something. In this congregation are people who I believe with all my heart, you read your Bible, you pray, and you're in every church service, and you do your best to try to tell people about Jesus Christ. But the Lord's ready to take you to the next level, and I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen. But it's not going to happen if you, if you keep sitting there saying, I'm not able. You are able. Not you. You're able because of Christ. All you have to do is be willing. Hey, Moses had all the spirit of God he needed. He just got to a place that he, he thought, I just can't do this. You can do it. You know, there are no great parents. There's only a great God. There's no great preachers. There's only a great God. There's no great Sunday school teachers. There's only a great God. God uses people. The question is, are you surrendered to let God use you? Some of you young people still, you still never, every, every time we show a missionary slide, a DVD here, and every time I preach, you still haven't got to the place where every service you're asking God, is that me? Are you talking to me? Do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Every invitation, that ought to be your prayer, especially if the Lord's dealing with you concerning anything. It ought to be, oh, who else is he talking to? He's talking to you. There must be a willing mind. You have to be a willing mind. It's accepted according to that a man hath, not according to that he hath not. God's not looking about what you don't have. God just wants to know if you're willing. Now, tonight we're going to do the Lord's Supper, and I can't think of a better time for us to examine ourselves. I'm not able. You're not able. But God is able to use you just like you are. Tonight, make sure that you understand. You remember the Heritage Baptist Church, you understand. God wants to make sure that you examine yourself. Don't take of the Lord's Supper unworthily. Unworthily means that there's practicing known sin in your life that you're not willing to let go of. That's what really being unworthily. It's not that you're perfect. Every person's a sinner here. But just make sure that you've got your sins confessed. Make sure you're right with the Lord tonight. We're going to use the invitation time for that. But also use the invitation time tonight to think about what is it the Lord wants you to do? And are you saying, I'm not able. I'm not able. Do not allow the pressure from people. Do not allow the sin in your own life. And do not allow feeling like you're the only one to cause you to say that. God, you are more than, God, you are more than able with God's help. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight? Let's take a moment of prayer and invitation time. And do business with the Lord tonight. I'm going to have us remain seated. You are more than welcome to use the altar tonight. But let's take a few moments of prayer tonight as she plays.